A lot can happen in 10 years. We can change jobs, change home, change school, meet new people, move abroad. Think back to yourself and Arlen 10 years ago. What did life look like? In 2009, Mary McAleese was president. The country was in the throes of economic downturn. And if you remember that February, the country was covered in snow. But can you remember what your sleep was like 10 years ago? Welcome to Ireland 2029, Shaping Our Future. We're partnering with Volkswagen to look at 10 big ideas that could shape Ireland's future for the better. In each episode, we'll talk to someone about a big idea to find out what it can achieve and whether it's practical or a non-runner. This week, we're looking at whether schools, colleges and businesses could be doing things to help people sleep better and if this would impact productivity. I'm your host, Zuzia Whelan, and this is Ireland 2029, Shaping Our Future, brought to you by Volkswagen. Here with me in the studio is JP Hughes, a health coach with Zevo Health, who has a lot of experience working with big tech companies in Dublin, helping their employees get better sleep. JP, give us your one-minute reaction to the idea that helping people sleep better can boost productivity. I think it's a good idea because I know we are not getting enough sleep already. Only 34% of us is getting seven to eight hours sleep, while 51% of us is in that five to seven hour bracket, which is not good. This is an issue on an individual level in regards to our health, on a business level in regards to our productivity, and on a national level due to the relationship between sleep and GDP. And how working hours comes into it is that we know commuting for long periods of time is negatively correlated with how much sleep we're getting. And this makes sense as if we had shorter commutes, we would have more time outside of work and thus a greater opportunity to sleep. Here with us in studio to discuss training the nation to sleep better is reporter Haley Halpin. She's producing this episode. Hi, Haley. Hi, Zuzia. Before we look into the situation in Ireland, let's take a quick look at how sleep patterns around the world impact on productivity and GDP. In 2016, the RAND Corporation examined data from five OECD countries and found that individuals who sleep fewer than six hours a night on average have a 13% higher mortality rate than people who sleep at least seven hours per night. Hayley, do you want to talk us through a few other points from the study? Absolutely. The study itself had some really, really interesting facts and figures. Now, one that really stood out to me was that the US loses the equivalent of around 1.2 million working days per year because of insufficient sleep. If we want to bring that back closer to home for a moment, the UK and Germany both lose over 200,000 working days a year. I think that's a really, really striking figure personally. If we want to put that into perspective again, over 599 billion euro is lost every year across the five countries involved in the study because of insufficient sleep. Why has there been so much talk about sleep lately? What's changed? Well, when you search out sleep better on Google, you can get over a billion results. When you talk to people in their 20s, 30s and 40s, it just kind of seems to be commonplace in the conversation. Uh, New Zealand's Ministry of Health has also published sleep tips for adults. And finally, Accenture has introduced sleep pods. Basically, there's just like a bit more of a conversation about why it's important. So as well as helping people feel better, can you explain how training people to sleep better would also have a knock-on effect on the economy? Now, there are some corporations and universities across Ireland who do already have initiatives such as nap rooms and sleep pods, um, later start times for employees and shorter work weeks even to help create better sleep patterns. Now, the report suggests that employers can do a number of things to help employees um, with their sleeping patterns, such as recognising the importance of sleep, designing uh, bigger and brighter workspaces, and also discouraging the extended use of mobile phones and tablets and so on. 
Now, while some of these suggestions are easily implemented in major corporations, it might not be as easy to implement it in, say, your local shop or really small uh, businesses. They might not have the facilities or the space or the money to completely uproot and redesign their workspace to make it bigger and brighter, for example. That's a really interesting point that maybe these changes are a great idea, but they might not suit everyone and they might not be possible for everyone. We were talking a little bit about this last week about shift work and how you and I have both worked jobs in the past. And I'm sure many people have where you might be working really late shifts or early shifts or you might be working multiple jobs to make rent, for example, if you're in college. We were also talking a bit about nurses and sometimes how emergency services can't really be adapted to suit sleeping schedules so that you get the most rest sometimes you just need to be at work yeah exactly um I mean personally I've worked in jobs where I've had to get up and start working at 4am in the morning and that was because of the place I was working and there was no other option but to start work at that time so there definitely are places where you can work where you know you it is a nine to five sort of atmosphere and you can kind of shift that uh, start time a little bit when it comes to uh, shift work it that's not possible for the most part and it it kind of does come down to an individual basis where they will have to bring in and implement little changes in their own lives to to help them sleep better. What kind of changes do you think they would be? Yeah I just think like it it really is uh, smaller stuff like turning your light off at night getting into bed and not picking up your mobile phone and scrolling through social media for a half an hour. Just turn your light off, get into bed, close your eyes and, and, and go from there. And it's it's just those little changes or even bringing in a little bit of exercise into your daily routine. Uh, stuff like that, that can that can really help you kind of just wind down at night and, and have a good sleep pattern. That's a really interesting point about the phones because I think that's something that we all find pretty difficult. They're on us all the time. We're always checking our emails. We're always scrolling through Instagram at night in bed. So I think that's, you know, that that really shows how it's not just changing your sleep in isolation. It's a lot of little things across the board, improving your health, your food, your exercise and managing stress. And it's really just a lot of little details that build up over time that can improve your sleep overall. With that, more and more places are recognizing that we need to help people get better sleep. Our first guest is Lorna Dodd from Maynooth University's library, which has recently introduced sleep pods. Lorna, what has the reaction to the sleep pods been like? I think there were a few raised eyebrows initially because people were concerned about the cost of it, but actually they they aren't that expensive. So it's been really, really popular and they're really, really heavily used. So throughout term time, you can't walk past them without seeing a pair of legs sticking out. So they're really loved by the students. So what exactly is a sleep pod? Can you describe it to me? So the sleep pod is, it sort of looks a little space age. So it is actually kind of a little bubble and with a sofa sticking out the end of it. So the student lies down on it. They can, they pull a screen around them and you can have ambient kind of light and music if you want. So the idea is it's designed for you to take a 20 minute nap. So research shows that if you sleep beyond 20 minutes, you start to go into a deep sleep. And then, as we all know, if you wake up kind of suddenly after being in a deep sleep, you feel terrible. Um, So 20 minutes is the optimum amount of sleep to get. So that's what to, to kind of refresh you. So that's what the sleep pod is designed to do. How do you think the sleep pods have changed students' academic lives or their lives generally? Um, 
I mean, I wouldn't say that it's transformed everybody's lives, but it definitely gives students more options. So the student who came up with the winning idea for the sleep pods, he has to commute a long distance to Maynooth. And that would be very common among our students as well, because they can't afford to live away from home. He was doing a very intense course of study in robotics um, and he really wanted to join the fencing club and he couldn't because he was just too exhausted. So he presented us with this idea of having sleep pods in the library and showed us how a sleep is much more beneficial than, say, having a cup of coffee or a can of Coke to try and keep you awake. So I think it's really helped students like him, like Brian, who have to travel these long distances um, and they're on campus maybe 10, 12 hours a day. So they get to have a rest during the day, which enables them to do more. And have the sleep pods had any kind of real impact on academic productivity or has it been proven that they actually work? So I think that it's too early to tell because we've only had them in for one academic year and the exam results aren't out yet. So I don't I couldn't tell you. I don't know. So I think we'd have to wait a few years to look in terms of academic productivity. I think it it definitely improves students' ability to manage their day and manage like how they go through the week and to get a bit more rest than they normally would. I suppose more abstractly, do you think it's a good idea to change the way the day is structured to facilitate, you know, better sleep hygiene? Yeah, definitely. I think and there's a lot of research out there to show that that 20 minute nap that I was talking about earlier on can be hugely beneficial to kind of recharge your batteries. Um, like things like caffeine drinks and coffee are like sales are through the roof at the moment because I think people are tired and they aren't getting enough sleep that they need during the night. So if there's ways to facilitate it in other, other times during the day, I think that can only be a good thing. You've mentioned that it's pretty much impossible in Maynooth um, for such a huge university, but how do you think that maybe a later start time could be implemented in other colleges or maybe schools or businesses? College is sort of fluid. It can depend on your course. You might not start at one till one o'clock some days and then you could be at nine o'clock the other days. And if you're doing an arts degree, your schedule isn't going to be as tight as it would be, for example, if you're doing science. I don't know how much flexibility there would be in that. It would be really interesting to see what they do around schools. I would say that there's more flexibility in maybe starting late or um, I'm not sure that working parents would really appreciate that though. So, And do you think that sleep pods could be implemented in schools, colleges or businesses? Definitely. We were the first library in Ireland to introduce them, but other libraries are now introducing them as part of their service and they're really popular. I think they are already used in a couple of the high tech companies that are based in Dublin already. Um, And I can see them being used more and more. And there's no reason they couldn't be brought into schools as well. So I actually think within a few years, they'll probably become more and more popular um, and they'll be a much more common feature in, in workspaces. Sleep science is a developing field in Ireland, but we already have some experts here. Lucy Wolf is a paediatric sleep specialist and she joins us on the line now. Lucy, can poor sleep patterns during childhood affect how successful someone may be in future? I mean, it's possible. Um, and I guess I generally d- don't ever really want to put people under huge pressure by, you know, ha- having like a panic session where, you know, we do know that more rested, optimally functioning, of course, we'll have better outcomes. Um, but I think that what we really just need to do is look at to supporting people with information and guidance so that we can allow for better sleeping practices and that we can prioritize sleep as a, as a pillar of health and well-being. Can you give me some examples of how we can improve our sleep patterns? I think the most important 
thing to first of all do is to view sleep in a positive way and to put a level of importance on our sleep in the first instance. So rather than your sleep practice being a byproduct, to put it, rise it up to the surface and consider it to be, you know, the third pillar of health and well-being. I think as soon as we can start to think of sleep in that way, because you know the difference in your own functioning when you've had a good night's sleep. So it's not to be underestimated. And then again, I would use small strategies. So one of the most important things is to have a regular wake time every day of the week. Now, if you don't struggle with sleep, then you don't necessarily need to do this. But if you are somebody who reports that maybe you struggle to go asleep or stay asleep routinely, regulating the body clock is a very effective way. So that means that you wake no later than maybe 7.30, seven days a week. So even on a weekend or a day that you're not working, that you still have a regular wake time. Because you need not only a regular wake time and a regular bedtime, you need enough awake time in order to successfully go to sleep at bedtime too. And then it's making small changes to your, you know, your activity level. Obviously, I've mentioned already exposure to bright and natural light, but also that we wouldn't maybe do extreme exercise two or three hours before bedtime. And you might also look at your caffeine intake and restrict it beyond a certain point in the day. 2.30 p.m. is generally recommended, but I know that meets a lot of opposition. But again, if we are looking to make those changes, sometimes we have to make decisions that put us outside our comfort zone for a little bit of time until, of course, your better sleeping patterns are established. And then once that happens, I generally find that there is a level of flexibility in that. How can a poor sleep pattern impact on a young person's academic abilities? Well, there's lots of studies actually that do support that less sleep can leave a, a person less able to function. And we've seen studies that where if you've been deprived of just an hour of sleep, we've seen scores drop significantly. And the reverse is true, that we've seen that with more sleep, that we can see an improvement in an academic setting. There has been movements in different countries, not in Ireland, but certainly in the UK and the States, where they've campaigned for schools to start later, actually. And the schools that start later, now again, in the States, a lot of the schools start much, much earlier than our schools anyway. And so their starting later is quite close to what our typical start time is. But what they were seeing is that there was a huge level of improvement in the academic scores of the school in the schools where school were starting later and those children were getting more sleep as a result. And are there any initiatives that schools and colleges in Ireland, for example, could bring in to improve how young people sleep? There's none that I'm aware of at the moment. And I guess in the context, um, our start time is relatively late in terms of some countries. But certainly the idea is a good one and it, 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 there is a basis for it. But I also worry that something like that would cause more issues than it would solve, you know, because a lot of the time children are being brought to school, even teenagers by their parents, it suits this setup. And if we had school starting later than work was starting, we might start to run into other difficulties. But I think that on the ground, we can look at other ways of both our children and ourselves improve our sleeping patterns and to prioritize our sleep tendencies to ensure that in the main, when possible, we are getting enough sleep. Having an app at work is all well and good, but we really do need to be working on sleeping better at home in the first place. JP, who you heard at the start of the episode, is back in studio with me now. 
What impact does a regular sleep have on an employee's performance? Yeah, so it's going to have a range of impacts. Firstly, their productivity is going to drop, and there's a good bit of research showing that it's definitely going to drop. Um, and just from a, your personal experience, I'm sure everyone knows that when you get four or five hours sleep, the next day you're just not going to be there as much. Um, and research shows that you, it's really the issues with creating new memories. So if you're not getting enough sleep, you're, you really have issues in letting more memories go into the brain and then processing them that night. So you're getting all this information. So in work, you know, your boss might tell you, learn this, remember this, process this piece of information, but really you're not able to absorb or process it that day. So um, that's the main thing when we look at in a business perspective, but also has a range of physical health effects as well that can kind of lead to more chronic issues long term. And are companies starting to pay more attention to this? Yeah, some companies are. We've seen a big uptake from social media companies and technology companies and kind of other companies are slowly filtering through, but they're getting a better understanding of if we can get our guys to sleep a little bit more, our productivity is definitely going to go up and lead to happier and healthier individuals in the company. So the book stops with, with the employees because, you know, you can't really your boss can't tell you to get into bed at a certain time really so they can only give guidance and, and the flexibility around hours and these sort of things and um, but then individuals need to have that understanding of why it is important so they'll actually do it themselves have you noticed an increase in the number of people who aren't sleeping well and if so why do you think that is Possibly, you know, um, we see in research from the CSO that commute times are coming up all the time and um, they've been looking at this since about 2002 and the most recent research in 2016 showing that we're on all time high in how long our commute is. Um, so if our commutes are longer, that means we're getting up earlier, we're getting home later and, and there's been research showing that when commutes go on past the 60 minute mark um, each way, we're looking at about 16 minutes of sleep loss in that night. So um, house prices are going up all the time. People are moving further and further away from Dublin. The commutes are going more. So yeah, I'm definitely seeing an increase in people that are not getting a lot of sleep. Do you have any advice for employees who have to work shifts? Yeah, it's depending on the shift, it can be difficult. Um, but firstly, to understand that shift work can be inherently unhealthy. So it's really important to start from that standpoint and understand that, you know, long term, there is an increased risk of things like breast cancer, skin cancer, with people working shift work. So starting from that standpoint, it's really important. From there, it's really being careful about um, your sleep hygiene when your day is finished. So if you're finishing in the morning and it's bright outside, that bright stimulating your eyes, it's, it's making you increase your stress hormones and you try to get home and go to sleep, it's going to be very difficult. So understanding what affects your sleep is really going to help. So in a lot of corporations, people use filtering glasses where the filters out some of the, the, the blue light. So you're actually able to start increasing your sleep hormones, your melatonin a little bit more and getting home, you know, preventing not so much technology usage and, and trying to slowly get into a good routine of falling to sleep at a good time. And I would say, if all possible, try to start to get to sleep after your shift and, and not to start having your day once your shift is over, you know. A lot of people go to the gym and exercise and try to take advantage of being around for the day, but that's possibly not the best idea. 
I would say for most people, trying to get to sleep after your shift ends is, is a better option for most people than wake up eight hours or so after, then start your day, exercise, and try and stay in that routine and not shift too much when the weekends come around, you know, trying to catch up with your friends because they're on a different schedule, but your body clock can't shift dramatically over the course of one night. So you can't just suddenly decide, oh, I'm going to live a normal lifestyle on the weekends and then switch on during the weekdays. That can be really difficult and take a real big toll on your health. What could companies do to improve their employees' sleep and why should they care? They should care because it has a huge impact on productivity and absenteeism. Um, what they can do is they can first see what the barriers are to why their employees aren't sleeping. Um, if it's the commute or if it's something completely different, um, if it's flexibility or whatnot. And then they can provide guidance so they can get people to come in, do talks, do trainings, um, and that's becoming more and more popular. Um, and then from there, you can analyze and see if it's actually leading to productivity increases or, or not, and then adapt accordingly. I'm back in studio now with Hayley Halpin. Now that we've heard from our three experts, I think it's time that we rate our big idea. And luckily enough, we have a custom-made journal.ie great 2029 forecasting machine. Haley, can you fire it up there, please? I guess so. Here we go. So we have to add in everything we've heard so far in there, and we'll see what verdict it gives us. Uh, Haley, could you could you do that? I suppose I can. Here we go now. Okay, so it says here that training the nation to sleep better to increase GDP is possible, but it's not really likely. Yeah, um, I don't really find that too surprising now, Zuzia. What I really gathered from our guests is that it is possible, but it's going to take an awful lot of work from individuals, schools, universities, workplaces, and so on. Now, let's just take a quick look at uh, young people for a moment. Uh, now, we all know that it's very important to have good sleep patterns as a young person. And, you know, in turn, as we've learned through this podcast, that it will affect you later in life. As Lucy Wolf noted, there have been studies that show poor sleep patterns can impact on young people's academic abilities. Um, and she did note that later start times uh, are beneficial for students. Now, that being said, both Lucy and Lorna did note throughout their interviews that it isn't always possible to have later start times, especially when it comes to uh, schools, uh, due to the fact that, you know, you never know what time a parent's going to have to start work at. And most likely it probably is going to be 9am. We also heard about sleep pods, which sound like a pretty good idea, too. I mean, when I was in college, I used to lie on a yoga mat in a storeroom and lock myself in there for an hour to get a bit of sleep. So I think sleep pods sound like a much better idea than that, for example. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, they're definitely useful to a certain extent in in university settings and and even probably schools if that could end up being the case. Um, but obviously, like, it's, it is best to get a full night's sleep. Um, now, we all know that's not exactly feasible and possible at all times, uh, especially when it comes to university students. You know, some students could work two, three jobs and have long college working hours. So, you know, it is handy to have sleep pods on campus just to, like, at least be able to sit down and break up your day for 20 minutes and, and kind of rejuvenate instead of having to pick up that cup of coffee. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely couldn't have gotten through my day at college without my yoga mat nap. So if we can bring it back to kind of workplaces a little bit as well, there's a lot of crossover there. I think the verdict makes a lot of sense. Broadly speaking, I think it probably is possible to alter work hours in a lot of workplaces, but not all like we've heard. 
it could probably work pretty well in a corporate setting, for example. Like we've seen an increase in flexi time and shorter work weeks in remote working, that kind of thing. Yeah, but it's probably not realistic um, when it comes to stuff like emergency services, retail, manual work all, and any kind of shift work, really. Yeah, that's that's true. In these cases, it's probably more a case of damage control with sleep pods to take the edge off during the day um, than to make sure you're actually getting the most out of your sleep when you do get it by getting some exercise, plenty of daylight, eating healthily and trying to manage your stress as much as possible. So when it comes to GDP, maybe we just have to accept that financial hit as a reality of our work lives. The changes won't work across all sectors, so maybe it's a case of we have to make as many individual changes as we can to get a greater effect on our health and ultimately on the bottom line. Thanks for listening to the fourth episode in this 10-part series on Ireland 2029. This episode is brought to you by producer Hayley Halpin, presenter Zuzia Whelan, editor Nikki Ryan, series producer Orla Ryan and executive producer Christine Bohan. Thanks to Paula Lyon and all of our contributors in this week's episode. Ireland 2029 is a podcast from the Journal.ie, supported by Volkswagen. It's time for electric cars for the people. Discover the future of electric mobility with the Volkswagen ID family at Volkswagen.ie.